The Old Testament lesson for the second Sunday of Easter is recorded in the 19th chapter of Job, beginning at verse 25. For I know that my Redeemer lives, and he shall stand at last on the earth. And after my skin is destroyed, this I know, that in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold, and not another, how my heart yearns within me. Here ends our Old Testament lesson. Our epistle lesson is recorded in the fifth chapter of First John, beginning at the fourth verse. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world, but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not only by water, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who bears witness, because the Spirit is truth. For there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. And there are three that bear witness on earth, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three agree as one. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God which he has testified of his Son. He who believes in the Son of God has the witness in himself. He who does not believe God has made him a liar, because he has not believed the testimony that God has given of his Son. And this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. Here ends our epistle lesson. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Our sermon text is recorded in the 20th chapter of the Gospel of John, beginning at the 19th verse. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Now Thomas, called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to him, We have seen the Lord. So he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days his disciples were again inside, and Thomas with them. Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst, and said, Peace to you. Then he said to Thomas, Reach your finger here and look at my hands, and reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, 
but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And truly, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. This is the word of God. Let us pray. Risen and ascended Lord, you are alive forevermore. Increase our faith and inspire our witness. Fill your church with the power of your resurrection to labor faithfully in joy until every tongue confesses, my Lord and my God. For you live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Can I see some ID? It's a question many of us have heard when we're out in public. When writing a check, the cashier might ask you for your driver's license to verify who you are. If you've ever been stopped by a police officer, you'll need to show your license and registration. Students and teachers usually need an ID with their name and picture on it to borrow a book or eat in the cafeteria. Newer phones even have fingerprint ID technology where it scans your fingerprints like something out of a James Bond movie. International travelers need a passport to identify themselves to other countries. Just about anything that involves payment or official documents requires some type of ID. Your ID basically tells someone you are who you claim to be. You don't need it for yourself, but for others who don't know you or have doubts about who you claim to be. In a similar way in our text, the disciple Thomas demanded to see Jesus' ID. He wanted to see if Jesus was who he claimed to be. Thomas refused to believe that Jesus had truly risen Easter morning, despite the eyewitness testimony of the other disciples. He had doubts about Jesus and said unless he saw Jesus' pierced hands and side, he wouldn't believe. So how does this text help us? Well, it shows us Jesus is who he claimed to be. We see that doubt and fear were nothing new for Christians. Thomas struggled with unbelief, but we have God's word written for our benefit by eyewitnesses who saw the many signs that Jesus did, that all the signs that he did were written because we faced doubt and struggles. And in this text, Jesus also gives us a special promise to us who haven't seen him and yet have believed. Our text brings us into what the very first Easter night was like. Just what was the setting like? John reports that the disciples, minus Judas, who committed suicide, and Thomas, who wasn't there, were behind locked doors for fear of the Jews. Was there a loud discussion over all the things they had heard from Mary Magdalene and finding Jesus' tomb empty? Or was there so much tension from everything that you could hear a pin drop? Whatever the case, the disciples spent the first Easter 
afraid. They weren't celebrating in a synagogue. They were in a home, scared. The Jewish leaders had seen to it that Jesus was crucified, and now claims that he rose made them furious. That put a massive target on the back of Jesus' disciples. Thomas may be labeled as the doubter, but the other disciples weren't exactly modeling courageous faith either. But then everything changed. Jesus came. He came unannounced, completely unexpected, and the disciples were overjoyed. Jesus passed through the shut doors, not even needing someone to open them. He simply passed through them and appeared. Yet he didn't appear just as a spirit. He had his same physical body now glorified. This was a miracle, something only God could do. Then the Lord showed them his ID, his pierced hands and his pierced side. He demonstrated his divine power and risen glorified body that had the marks of their salvation written on him. Jesus said to his disciples, peace to you. Just as Jesus had calmed the storm when the disciples were on the boat, that is what the disciples needed to calm their fears. That word was refreshingly familiar and exactly what the disciples needed. They had gone through extreme trauma. Their whole world had been shaken, filled with emotions, uncertainty, the storms of the world. Jesus' peace is different from any other kind in the world. It is so much better than merely a a well-wish or political peace. Jesus' peace is different. It's the peace the world cannot give. His peace is reconciliation with God, secured through his death and resurrection. Thomas was absent, though. There has been much speculation for why Thomas was not with the other disciples Easter night. Whatever the case, the disciples told Thomas what they thought would cheer him up. They exclaimed, we have seen the Lord. I can imagine them saying, Thomas, where were you? We saw Jesus. He gave us peace and showed us his hands inside. He's alive. But Thomas was like the donkey Eeyore in the Winnie the Pooh children's stories. Depressed, gloomy, and pessimistic. And what did Thomas so famously say? Unless I see the wounds and the nail marks and put my finger in them and see his pierced side and put my hand through it, I will not believe. He refused to take his friends at their word and believe. He had a question mark after Easter where there should have been an exclamation mark. Could Thomas have been any more skeptical? It's doubtful. He's the reason we have the term doubting Thomas. To his credit, though, Thomas didn't pretend. He was honest about the doubts he had. But Thomas wasn't in a good spot at all after Easter. Many people can relate to Thomas. A recent Barna study found that two-thirds of Christians reported having doubts at some point about their faith. The danger isn't doubt by itself. St. Paul tells us to test the scriptures. The danger is when doubt goes so far, it leads to unbelief. Thomas was bound to have questions about Jesus' empty tomb. 
But when he refused to believe after the eyewitness testimony of the disciples, his doubts crossed into unbelief. Is there a Thomas in your life? Someone who struggles with questions and doubts? Someone who doubts their own forgiveness or avoids hearing God's word? It's easy for us to give up and write off people with labels based not on their strengths, but their weaknesses. Imagine if each one of us had an ID card with our greatest flaw written on them that we had to carry with us and show to others. If Thomas's label was doubter, what would your label be? What weakness do you fear others would find out about you? So-and-so, the adulterer, the glutton, the stealer, the idler, the mean one, the jealous one. The one who cares only for him or herself, that would be humiliating. People may not know those things, but God sees it all. Jesus knew the exact struggles Thomas had. Jesus came one week later to the disciples, this time with Thomas present. But rather than find fault with Thomas, Jesus met him where he was at. Here we see the incredible mercy Jesus has for people with doubt. Jesus wanted Thomas to believe. He welcomed Thomas with open arms, showing him his pierced hands and side. Thomas believed. He exclaimed, my Lord and my God. He confessed his faith in his Savior with the words, my. Jesus was his Lord, the one he belonged to, and Jesus was his God. Jesus didn't define Thomas by his doubt. Thanks be to God that we are not defined by our sins, but by our identity in Christ. The Apostle John says his gospel was written for two reasons, that you may believe Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, and that you may have life in his name. This is the purpose of all 21 chapters in John's gospel and the entire Bible. All the words of scripture are written for you. They are written down because you will face struggles and doubts in this life. And so when you do face them, you know where to turn. That you would know and believe Jesus is your Savior and he gives you life. He gives you life here and now through faith given to you through the work of the Holy Spirit. Jesus' gracious word of peace gave the disciples joy and relief from their fear. And he assures us with the same peace. He gives us the peace knowing that our sins are forgiven and God loves us. We have the peace that God has declared us holy through our baptism. In the waters of baptism, we have been connected to Christ's death and resurrection. Our flesh was crucified with Christ and we arose with new life in him. We share Christ's Easter victory over sin and death. We've received a new identity, forgiven, holy, a saint, a redeemed child of God. You and I return to our baptism every time we confess those sins, putting them on Jesus' cross and trusting the forgiveness that God speaks to us. By doing so, we confess that Jesus is my Lord and my God. And like the father of the demon-possessed child who cried to Jesus with tears for help with his unbelief, You can say, Lord, I believe, 
Help my unbelief. What a comfort that we can bring even the burden of doubts to our Lord. Jesus said, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Thomas was humbled for his extraordinary demands. He was humbled for being so cold-hearted for not believing the testimony of the others. But Jesus uses the opportunity to speak to the people who wouldn't see Jesus the way Thomas did. Blessed are those who have not seen me and yet have believed. It seems like it would be the other way around. It would seem like I'd be blessed if I were in Thomas's shoes. But Jesus doesn't say Thomas was blessed for seeing him, but those who haven't seen and still have believed Jesus' word. Jesus here is speaking about people like you and me. Christ says you specifically are blessed. How amazing is that? John says that Jesus did even more signs. Signs are miracles that Jesus did to demonstrate he is the Messiah, the Savior in John's account. There are 17 times these signs are recorded in John's gospel. Each of them recorded so we would know who Jesus is. He can do what no other human being is capable of doing. They are written down because in our minds we have doubts. And that is why the Holy Spirit used eyewitnesses, people who saw Jesus, to record the gospel accounts. I love this line that if everything was recorded about Jesus, it couldn't even be contained in the Bible. We only have a taste of all the miracles that happened. But God saw to it that what was written is enough for us in this life. What we have is written to strengthen our faith and show us the security of our lives in Jesus. In this text, we see that even the first disciples struggled with fear and doubt about Jesus' resurrection. And we see Jesus displaying his sympathy in calming the disciples by giving them peace. Jesus met Thomas also, having mercy on his doubts, and showed him his ID, his pierced hands and side. Jesus showed mercy on their weaknesses, as he does show to us and our doubts. We have the assurance that these words of Scripture were written for our sake by eyewitnesses who saw Jesus is who he claimed to be, that we may believe and say with Thomas, My Lord and my God. One day, we will see Jesus glorified like at the first Easter. We won't have to wonder any longer. We will behold his ID, the same battle scars that Thomas and the others saw imprinted on Jesus' hands and side. Until then, Jesus says we are blessed. We have the eyewitness testimony of the disciples written for us, that we may believe he is our risen Savior and have life forever in his name. Amen. We continue now with the prayer of the church. You are, O resurrected Son of God, the authority upon whose promise we have credential to speak your word and will. Because you walk with us who are your sisters and brothers, because you use us to make your kingdom come, all whose sins we remit are remitted by you. Because you rose and now reign within our hearts, we can be fearless and bold. 
without your rising from the grave, like the disciples, we would barricade ourselves against the world's grave threat. Of ourselves, we are faint and fearful. We have neither courage, strength, or confidence, but you never leave us or forsake us. You are victor, and your triumph makes us victors, too. Assure us with your presence. Though we have not seen, yet we believe. Open our eyes to all evidence that you are with us, and bestow faith on us and energize our lagging spirits. Where we have been assailed by foolish doubts, forgive us and strengthen our conviction. Where we have been timid, pardon us and grant us courage. Where we have been faithless, absolve us and provide fidelity and constancy. And where we have sinned, erase our shame and clothe us with your righteousness. Our minds, Lord, are too slow, our memories too blunted to catalog your blessings or to list our wants. You lavishly answer our petitions before we bring them, and you accept our feeble groanings and call that praise. Be with those who are working on the front line, the doctors and nurses, first responders, and all putting themselves second to serve others. Be with the families of those with loved ones affected by this disease, those that feel isolated and are unable to see family, those who are out of work, those who are experiencing depression and anxiety. Be with all those in authority and give them wisdom in the decisions they make, and to all the scientists and medical professionals that you would bring a solution to this disease. They all need you. Remember them with kindness. Show them the goodness of your will by doing for them what your will desires. Our Savior, in the fullness of your time, crown our faith with final victory and take us home to live with you eternally. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.